Good evening. So there's a this auspicious appearance of Bhakti Vinod and um, other personalities, Jiva Goswami and Vamandev, Vaman Avatar. Um, these personalities are remembered on this this day. And um, of course closest to us is uh, is Bhaktivinoda Thakur and um, Jeeva Goswami is quite close to us as well as one of Bhaktivinoda being the, the father of our Paribar, our spiritual family in the modern age and um, appropriately so being modern people he is the first of the Gaudiya community to really in a meaningful and significant way interface with the modern world and um, as a result of course he was uh, innovative in his approach uh, to preaching and um, as we know he was also referred in his time to by uh, as by one of the popular um, Figures of the time and journalist um, referred to as the seventh Goswami, so we make a connection in this way between him and the Goswamis, amongst whom Jiva Goswami is, of course, uh, prominent. Rup Sanatan, Jiva Raghunathas, Gopal Bhatta, and Raghunath Bhatta. And uh, and the uh, comparison, um, or that which gave rise to referring to him as such as the seventh Goswami, um, um, is um, a body of work that is analogous to the work of the Goswamis in many respects, prolific in his literary contribution and kind of sorting things out at the time. Um, as well as to what is bhakti, the Goswamis did this, of course, in a larger sense. What is bhakti? What is its essence? And so, so forth. Um, by drawing from all the, the revealed scriptures and establishing a lineage, and um, and bringing out really the central place, the role of bhakti, as the Bhagavatam seeks to do itself. But um, and as a result, by, by way they did of putting emphasis on the Bhagavatam, and then some, if you will, drawing from various texts and whatnot. Um, and uh, and Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his time was also sorting out what bhakti is and Chaitanya bhakti in particular um, that was established by the Goswamis, given the fact that uh, there were a number of misrepresentations of the teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and the glorious teaching of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was um, the sun of the teaching was um, under the clouds of a fair amount of misrepresentation and, and misunderstanding. And Bhaktivinoda Thakur himself confessed to have been a uh, among those in the clouds of misunderstanding about the virtuous um, light of the t- teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Um, 
I have in the past referred to him as the first Western convert. <laughs> um, Britain was, of course, ruling India at the time, and he was schooled by the British and, and uh, English-speaking and so on and so forth. And uh, the British were trying to, of course, convert the Hindus to, to Christianity at the time. saw him as, as uh, kind of savages of sorts. Um, and so Bhaktivinoda explored fairly uh, comprehensively the, the philosophical and theological thought of the time in the West and, um, and Britain was of course the leading nation in the world at the time so to be connected with Britain would be to Connected with the with the uh, major influences um, of thought at the time, and so as I say, he was he schooled himself in that, and 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 by chance, by virtue, by 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 good fortune, by transcendental arrangement, he came in touch with the Chaitanya Charitamrita and the way in which the Bhagavatam is understood there and presented there, which was quite different than how we had learned about it. The British, it is said that they, the Orientalists, they were, as they were called, the original um, scholars, quote, missionaries, <laughs> uh, scholars with a mission, <laughs> a little less than objective, um, that they had, upon encountering Vaishnavism, thought that they had found the uh, closest thing to the true religion because of its uh, devotion to God rather than its monistic, um, rather than a monistic um, take, which is popular the, the and, wide, and widespread, the uh, influence of Advaita Vedanta, which is in such contrast to Christianity. Hmm. You are God, um, and there is no God. <laughs> there is no person to the Godhead. There is ultimately there's no person or individuality to yourself, and so on and so forth. This is very different than the Christian idea. Whereas in Vaishnavism, of course, we have Bhakti, we have Bhagwan, and um, and so on. Uh, but uh, when they came to uh, encounter when they encountered um, Krishna Bhakti in the Bhagavatam, and there its centerpiece is is Krishna as, as he appears as a playboy with many women and so forth. Never mind that the women are all one, who's uh, as we've heard on Ranastami expanding herself to try to live up to the task of satisfying the senses of Rasaraj himself. And she does a good job, as we know, um, which in turn gives rise to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. All these ideas were very uh, extraordinary. And, um, of course, they weren't uh, the ideas that um, were that the British encountered when they encountered Krishna Bhakti. They um, mostly took exception to the, um, to the Balaba influence at the time, and there were even some one, at least one court case with the Balabas. Um, but they were exposed to Chaitanya Vaishnavism also. 
to some extent. Uh, maybe after, a little after the time of, of Bhakti Vinod. Um, but at any rate, um, um, Bhakti Vinod encountering the Bhagavatam, which he had grown up with a prejudice against by his own admission, having heard about it in the way that he did, you have to re- realize you have the Victorian Britain and its uh, sensibilities with regard to uh, sexuality, and that in contrast to Krishna and the Parakya, Paramore love and uh, polygamy, as it would seem, and and so on and so forth. This is a big, big contrast. But contacting or, or seeing uh, uh, Bhagavatam in light of Chaitanya Charitamrita, then he had a great epiphany hmm. and he became a convert. Hmm. Not that he was completely Western in his orientation, but he was um, the drift of the time, if you will, amongst the intellectuals and pious people was. Uh, one in which their own, in Hindu, amongst the Hindu, their own religion was coming into question in light of observable evidence and other theological uh, ideas and so forth. Um, you have, you know, the, the historical event of the appearance of Jesus and the mythic uh, stories of of Krishna and Vishnu and Vamana. Uh, different avatars and so forth, um, and the case can be made. And I'm sure the British did between reality and and uh, fiction, fanciful ideas and superstition and so forth, and the fact, the historical fact of the revelation and the miracle of uh, of the uh, resurrection and so forth. Of course, while the miracles sold well in Europe, it's a little hard to sell miracles in India. Hmm? Where there are so many mystics and and um, so many miracles, if you will, um, given this this very uh, in India you have the, the the idea of spiritual practice that Merton Thomas Merton, for example, as a Catholic, was attracted to a way to actually hands on. Uh, move systematically in the direction of inner spiritual experience, besides just praying for poor people and doing charitable acts and so forth, and perhaps some penance and fasting days and uh, prayer, I think, uh, is probably pretty central to Christian monastics and so forth. He found in the way in India some systematic approach to meditation and... and, uh, and yoga, yoga in general, as I've said before, yoga is slightly a different philosophy than Sankhya. Hmm? But it can also be seen as the the way, hmm? the means to realizing the philosophical um, sensibilities of the Sankhya. So these Indian systems of thought of old, you have... Um, um, Nirvish, oh no, is it? Um, Nyaya and Vaisheshika. These kind of are similar. Hmm? Then you have yoga, you go in pairs, yoga and Sankhya and the Vedanta and the Karma 
Mimamsa. Hmm. For example, Vedanta is like the the last part, Vedanta, and end. Anta means end, so end knowledge. The the the, the um, what is it called? The Purva Mimamsa and the Uttar. Mimamsa Uttar means end, the last part. Hmm. Dissertation on the Veda. Hmm. First part being about karma and material acquisition and so forth. So anyway, with the the uh, Sankhya and Yoga are coupled together in some ways and almost in a way in which it could be construed that the Yoga, more than a philosophy unto itself, Yoga, the Sutras, potentially constitutes the way to realize, the, the practical way to realize the truths of the Sankhya philosophy. And as much as Yoga is a way and a system and a method and so forth, we can see that it's been adapt. It's adapt adaptable. So it's been grabbed onto within uh, throughout the Indian Indian traditions. And then you have the different kinds of yoga: Jnana Yoga, Karma Yoga, this Yoga, that Yoga, and so forth. Um, so, uh, arguably, Merton's inter- interface with. Yeah, Eastern spirituality was the beginning of Christian Western yoga with Western religious sensibilities. Mm. Um, and so in India, yoga is popular. <laughs> and it's a system for arguably what it's about is is demonstrating to oneself and others who have the eyes to see and uh, appreciate by way of observing the symptoms, that consciousness is different from matter. Hmm? Yoga is dualistic. Uh, Sankhya is dualistic um, in that sense. So there are different substances, matter and consciousness. And uh, so the restraint of the senses and mind and their techniques and ways to sit and so on and so forth. Um, and so as a result of this, you are going to find a lot more spiritual experience, a lot more um, uh, turning away from the objects of the senses, which constitutes ordinary material life, which is death, of course, which is marching into the mouth of death. Hmm. It's all, you know, a land of booby traps. Hmm. I went after this, and it, you know, it... uh, it uh, exploded, hmm? and um, my attachments become my problem, and the problem is death. Hmm? And because I'm attached, it it exists. So it's the birth of the problem. Death is that death is is a phenomenon, but it's only a problem. Hmm? The demise of the philosophical of this of the biological self doesn't necessarily mean entirely the demise of the psychological self. Hmm. In one sense, the Western sense, it, it does involve that. But in the Eastern said the antakaran or the subtle body, hmm, it gives rise to the gross body. It, re- it remains. And yam yam vyapismanam bhavam tarjate antekalevaram tam tam bhavita the condition of the subtle body, which is an Eastern, I guess, idea of the psychological dimension, then 
that determines the next physical condition. So you get people with these out-of-body experiences, but they're the same psychological person. Of course, by the time that enters another body, it's a little comes out a little differently. But at any rate, um, the yoga and the systematic approach to uh, experiencing the difference between consciousness and matter that's so prominent in India gave rise to a lot of um, what might be thought of as miraculous and uh, uh, acts that contradict nature, levitation, uh, uh, stopping the heart, uh, and uh, performing acts of austerity that lying on the bed of nails and these types of things. It's, 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 a, it's a world of, of, of strange things and uh, miraculous in a sense. I think you know the, the, the miracles of Europe were not as systematic and observable and the shamans and the witches and the, and the medicine men and so forth. Um, as India. So anyway, it was a harder cell to rise from, from the dead, which is the one miracle that closed down the miracle shops in Europe. <clears throat> but um, at any rate, this is what the uh, original European scholars were largely... About and the Bhagavatam, um, at on a glance, did not look like uh, the true religion. Although it was theistic, and there was the god, the god position was one of a uh, like a playboy, hmm. and um, but but Bhaktivinotakur, uh, by while influenced by that, hmm, when coming under the influence of Chaitanya Charitamrita saw in its proper philosophical life. This is a real powerful testament to the idea that that Radha and Krishna and the Bhagavat um, is um, understood through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. Um, after all, he himself was in his teaching role, Acharya Roli was a sannyasi, and he was very, very strict in his sannyas. And at the same time, internally, he was preoccupied with the love affairs of Radha and Krishna, reading the love books of Jaidev and uh, Chandidas and uh, the Japati and so forth, and uh, and the Bhagavat. And uh, so, if these were, of course, the ideas, mundane stories of Romanticism, lust, and inappropriate, morally questionable um, activities. How could he, at the same time, be as morally stout as he was to the extent that elderly sannyasins, even from the Shankar lineage and so forth, who pride themselves in vairagya and detachment, whose way is detachment, hmm, were frightened by the measure of the detachment of the young Chaitanya. Hmm. 2024, he took sannyas. So these uh, were the influences, the influence of Chaitanya Vaishnavism, which itself was in a state of disrepair. But Bhaktivinotaka, upon reading the Chaitanya Charitamrita, got some light and embraced 
embraced the Bhagavatam. And then he went to work, if you will, on uncovering the real teachings, the pristine teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and separating them out from the various misrepresentations of the time that, um, that often included within their um, misrepresentation of Gaudiya Vaishnavism acts that were not uh, morally appropriate. So he had a lot of work to do. Like the Goswamis, so to speak, new ground, if you will, right? Um, uh, establishing a whole sampradaya. And, and um, although obviously he wasn't establishing a whole sampradaya, still he was establishing Rugodiya Sampradaya in light of its uh, um, having receded into the into the clouds of um, misconception to some extent. I mean, it was still alive and well, and Bhaktivinoda came in touch with a whole living, uh, welcome, legacy of Chaitanya Vaishnavism. It's, it's not that uh, he was the only uh, Gaudiya Vaishnav of the time, but he had a missionary spirit. After all, he had been raised uh, with the uh, British sensibilities, and the British were largely missionaries as well. Uh, and the missionary spirit of Christianity, the um, the, uh, the outreach, the evangelicalism, if you will, of Christianity, which uh, is um, is fairly prominent in saving the world, most most sects and so forth. Um, I think that influenced Bhaktivinoda to some extent, or he was in that spirit that this this we should share the teachings, save the world, if you will. It's not that Chaitanya Vaishnavism inherently is not somewhat evangelical or or in the spirit of sharing. Certainly, it is. Mahabhu has been uh, beautifully uh, glorified by Sri Rupa as the Mahabhunanaya avatar, the most magnanimous. And uh, we, and if you look carefully at the inner core of Gaudiya Vaishnava, the inner genesis of the Chaitanya avatar, deep as it is uh, within Krishna Leela, hmm? the internal reasons for the appearance of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, it has, it, it, it's understandable that it would have a corresponding outreach. It is an, a, a boiling over of the absolute, if you will. Hmm? The limits that Krishna Leela met with hmm, in terms of Krishna's pursuit of tasting rasa hmm, in his nara lila, his human-like lila, are that which are compensated for in gaur lila. So arguably, Krishna lila was a failure, hmm, and gaur lila is the extension of that to make up with the shortcoming of Krishna lila in terms of its being able to facilitate the taste, the drive of Sri Krishna for, for tasting Rasa, which, of course, 
he sees in the person of Radha. He sees that in Radha, uh, well, everyone worships me, but they don't know it. But I find myself attracted to her. I, I, so who am I? Am I really God? And this is the kind of the existential crisis of Krishna. So, of course, he looks, he studies the situation, and he sees, ah, what it is in Radha that makes her attractive to me is something in me that she alone experiences. So I am special, as the whole world thinks and all the Vedas say and, and so forth. But that said, there is, that's, there is a speciality about me that I unto myself cannot um, access. And that is accessed in the person of Radha, who, of course, is... is is like the energy, as I said the other day, that accompanies the mass. Mm. In a physical example, you have mass and energy in equal proportion mm. at rest. And when the body of the, 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 the system or the physical system is in motion from the perspective of the observer, the energy increases beyond the measure of rest energy. So if we take Krishna, using this example, as a mass of consciousness mm, in rest, as Brahman. Hmm? So rasa is present in him. Hmm? His rup shakti is present there, but at rest also. But Radha Krishna Pranai, Vikiti Ladini Shakti Asmad, when there's a transformation of that love. And the Radha becomes manifest externally, huh? then Brahman obviously is moving and dancing. This is Krishna. So when the mass of consciousness is in motion, then the the energy, rest energy, now in motion exceeds the measure of the energy in rest. And so Krishna takes greater pleasure in his Swarup Shakti Ananda than his Swarupananda. Swarupananda means that inherent within him, that Swarup Shakti. When it manifests externally, personified as Radha, then his capacity, then it, 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 that is more blissful. Hmm? What did we hear this morning? The bliss of Radha is ten million times greater than mine. <laughs> he said, hmm, don't take it literally, it means a lot. <laughs> and uh, he, he's driven to taste that. So the point is that it, because Brahman is, is rasa, rasa vaisaha, there have to be these two complementary aspects of rasa, two bodies, one soul, or Radha, the soul of Krishna's body, manifesting externally. And the, the interaction of the two, this is Brahman as as rasa. And this, of course, comes in the Nandavali of Taitreya Upanishad, the Vali, the chapter about Ananda. So Ananda reaches its, its pinnacle in rasa, where there can be subject-object interaction. It's like if you love yourself, well, that's one thing, but if you have someone to interact with and share your love, love is valued or graded on a scale of reciprocity. So, with Radha and Krishna, then we really have the full measure of Ananda. And so, at any rate, Krishna understands that it's something in himself that makes Radha the extraordinary person that she is. So he is extraordinary. 
but he cannot access it unto himself. And so he wants to take the position of Radha. So this is an overflowing of ecstasy. It's Krishna Leela reaching its limits and then overflowing into another Leela. And so given that fact, it's understandable that it also has a, a kind of uh, a, an, a, an outreach to it. Hmm? When the pot overflows, what to do then? <laughs> right? It's uncontained. Hmm? And there's, prob- there's a problem. Hmm? So the problem is good. Hmm? The problem for Krishna results in you, you, can, you can now access him at a time when he's accessible. He's in this great necessity, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's in necessity of tasting Radha's ecstasy. And so the opportunity to approach, to serve, has, has increased. It, you know, when the object of our affection and pursuit is the man who has everything. <laughs> when he meets a moment of desperation and great necessity, then that creates a great opportunity for us to access, where otherwise we might not. So the inner side of Chaitanya Vaishnavism gives rise to an outer side. And, and, and we, it's not that Krishna is not Audarya, it's one of his qualities, hmm? Audarya magnanimous. But this magnanimity reaches a new height in Krishna Chaitanya. Hmm? And so the sharing, the sharing, the dispensation. Hmm? And of course you have Gore and Nityananda. And Nityananda is the biggest sharer of what Gore is about. He is the biggest broadcaster of the glories of, of Gore. Hmm? Um, he is Savya Bhagavan and Sevaka Bhagavan. So, well, Krishna is Savya Bhagavan, who is to be served. Balaram is the personality of God, it's servitor. And so it plays out. In, Krishna, in Chaitanya Lila, although in Chaitanya Lila, Krishna is not taking the position as the object of love. Still, Gore makes him the object hmm, on which our love should be focused. Hmm? And thus, Chaitanya Vaishnavism, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, while Gore while told Nitai to teach everyone, Bhaja Krishna, Koho Krishna, Laha Krishna Nam. Hmm? Go everywhere to give the teachings of Krishna, engage people in in the chanting of Krishna Nam and so forth, what did he do? He said, I'm purchased by those who chant the name of Gore, chant the name of, give the teachings of Gore, worship Gore. This is the beginning of Gaudiya Sampradaya. Before the Goswamis ever wrote any books or anything, without any need for philosophical support, just his very nature, Nityananda Prabhu, glorifying Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? And so there's no one who has done more to bring attention to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu than Nityananda Prabhu. This is the idea. And um, he himself, uh, Nityananda Prabhu, was commissioned by Chaitanya Dev to do ex- outreach that exceeded the measure of his own capacity to, to do outreach given the limits of his socio and religiously speaking, the limits of his of his ashram as a sannyasi, well, there are some limitations. Hmm. Uh, you can't go everywhere. 
you're a, a person of the cloth, so to speak, as they say in the West. And uh, and 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 while we find Chaitanya Dev speaking to the literate section of the society, to the to the Prakashananda Saraswatis, to the Sarvabhoma charges to the Venkata Bhattas, and, and so on, and converting them. And we find Nityananda Prabhu commissioned by Chaitanya Dev to go to the downtrodden people. There's a famous saying, if you see Nityananda in a, in a, in a bar with a prostitute, you should know that he's there only to convert her and the rest of the people there. He's already too drunk on Gore Prem to, to, to drink anything else. Um, so there is an outreach aspect to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teaching, and of course there's, a, there's much internal reach, and, and, and it's, it's also thought that as we are able to access inner life uh, through our practice, accordingly, proportionately, we are able to be successful in the dissemination. So Krishna Shakti Bhene Nahi, Krishna Shakti Bhene Nahi. Bhene Nahi, without Krishna Shakti, means that without the ingress of Krishna Surup Shakti, it's not possible to be successful in, in the propagate, propagating of Krishna Sankirtan. You can't change hearts, in the words. You might be able to turn somebody's head uh, for a while, but to change their heart and cause them to act in such a ways to change. And this is what it's about. It's very much about change and the need to transform um, and, and, and enter a world of transformation. Kampashru, Pulakadeo, all these things. Um, this requires that ingress of um, Krishna Shakti means, Krishna Shakti means um, Krishna Swarup Shakti means Bhakti, Bhava. So the measure, of course, we're in touch with that from the beginning because Bhakti is constituted with Swarup Shakti, but the greater the measure of the ingress and so for the certain point the ingress is so strong we call it bhava bhakti rather than sadhana bhakti it's a type of perfection the perfection of sadhana bhakti but at any rate the measure or the extent to which that ingress is there in our life the extent to which we would be effective and and naturally we in the pursuit of the highest love if you if the highest the reach of chaitanya's dev's teaching of course is is the um, radhadasyam Mm-hmm. Um, and comparatively, on a scale of love, the low end is compassion. Mm-hmm. There's a world like this one because Narayan sometimes has a desire to bestow mukti. Who will he give salukya, sarsti, samipya, sarupya to? Everybody's got it there. So, this is a moment, eternal moment, in the life of the Godhead. If he is full in love, then compassion must be an element too. So there's a world that corresponds with that. And so in the culture of bhakti, in the culture of the higher ideal of Brain, we should we should find that as the gracious gift of Mahaprabhu starts to manifest within us, 
naturally we feel generous towards others. So compassion hmm, is a characteristic of the Vaishnava. Hmm? Kripambudi, what's it? Um, Paradukudugi Kripambudi. They have no sorrow for themselves, but they feel sorrow for the for the uh, suffering of others and, and the fact that, that, that this gift hmm, is available and they're not taking advantage of it. So there's some drive like that that we see in the uh, Vaishnavas. It's not kind of a drive on a belief or a need to convert because weak faith requires enemies and converts and so forth, but a real uh, sense of sharing. Hmm? And so that, that element is is there in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. In Christianity, in comparison, it's very tends to be very evangelical um, and Bhaktivinoda is was somewhat uh, raised with considerable influences of Christianity, and um, and he had a little bit of an evangelical uh, spirit, uh, um, mostly deriving from the immense compassion that swelled up within him, and having uh, experienced Chaitanya Vaishnavism deeply as he did which is evidenced by his capacity to speak about it in novel ways and write about it extensively to excavate the Dham of Namadweep. These are the kind of things that the Goswamis did, so the, the epithet is, is appropriate. Seventh Goswami, because the Goswamis, they, they established the, the teachings, they sorted out what is bhakti, what is not bhakti, and how bhakti is central to all the sacred texts, and wrote... Um, um, considerably, hmm, a great uh, body of um, uh, what we, we refer to as the Bhakti Shastras. They are Shastra Gurus. They're the founding Acharyas of the Sampradaya. They establish what the Sampradaya is, what it means, what our take on the Gita, on the Upanishads, on the, on the Bhagavatam is. This is Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Everything follows that. All of our positions have to have resonate with, with with reference to those teachings. Prabhupada used to tell us that his credibility lied, lies, lied, laid, his credibility lied in his, in his ability to represent something that's already there. Of course, you do it with some, some um, insight according to time and place and, and circumstance to bring it to life and so forth. But the teachings... Are, are, are there and he always taught us that even what he said should be you know referenced or it should be if I say something that's not supportable and and, uh, and, uh, and it shouldn't be taken as as Siddhanta and sometimes we may say things that are not supportable and taking liberties to preach to people at different times that's also a possibility but at any rate um, the epithet is uh, appropriate in so many ways. It wasn't just uh, sentiment, but there's, you look at it carefully, the Goswamis also, besides their uh, considerable uh, literary contribution, they um, also established Vrindavan, excavated the places of Krishna's pastime. They made Vrindavan such a place that if you were a king or a queen in India, 
and didn't have a monument or a temple that you had built in Vrindavan, you were nobody. You didn't know how to spend your money. Hmm? This is made it fashionable hmm? amongst the uh, aristocratic royalty, royal section of society. So they were beggars themselves. So hmm, that's quite an accomplishment. And in Navadvip, Bhakti Thakur also established the places of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes, place of his birth, and so forth. Um, he was active also in Vrindavan when there was there were there were um, robbers, dacoits, bilking the p- pilgrims on the way to Vrindavan. He he, he arranged uh, for in his in his uh, um, secular. Um, occupation, hmm? legislation that um, effectively um, made the pilgrimage more safe, hmm? so on. So it had something to do with making access to Vrindavan as well. And uh, as I say, as the Goswamis kind of gave rise to Gaudi Vaishnavism out of nothing, or more accurately, they took the waterfall of the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that one had to stand back from in some measure of awe, especially his his sannyas leela takes uh, usually precedent in the eyes of the people of the world because it has some aishvarya to it. He's a sannyasi. This is aishvarya. His his, his jnana and his bhairagya were, were extraordinary. And then his ecstasy was very other otherworldly. Generally, we hear all the descriptions of the um, sattvika vikar, the astasatvikar, the uh, the uh, spontaneous, some want to say, involuntary transformations of ecstasy. Practically, all of the examples given by Rupa Goswami are examples of um, devotees in the lila, in their siddhadeha, changing colors. Hmm? Perspiring, even blood, and and so forth, the choking of the voice, the, um, the standing of the hairs on end, and so forth. Hmm? Um, they're all examples of devotees in their sakirasa body, in their marirasa body, in their vatsali rasa body. Not in their sadaka deya, but in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we find it in his apparent sadaka deya. Hmm? Krishna as a sadaka, Krishna as a charya, and particularly, excuse me, as a sannyasi hmm, there in Puri. Hmm. So this gets the attention. Our real goal is Navadvip, hmm, where Mahaprabhu is not, not surrounded by such Aishwari, where we can get close to him and go at night. Hmm. Shivas, hmm, Prabhupada Shivas of Mandir. Hmm. Enter that kirtan, the house of Shivas with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. Uh, but the way is shown in the sannyas lila, and this sannyas lila takes some is catches the uh, uh, attention more readily there. The teachings are found and so forth. Um, um, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, uh, uh, he. Um, And there also, obviously, the circulation, the distribution of the teachings, and so on and so forth. 
Um, what was the point? Waterfall. So in that position, hmm, he's almost unapproachable. In the, in the latter part, he is unapproachable. He's with Dhammada Sarup, Roy Ramananda, hmm, private life. His public life is, is, is over. His public life has reached a point where he can't, he can't, he can't share with the public anymore. Hmm? His inner life is so extraordinary and, and uh, overwhelming hmm? that he's not in a position to share it. And so, like a great waterfall, the Goswamis have taken that waterfall and turned it into a lake hmm? through their literature, hmm? through their own example of Sadhana, that we might approach that. They've located the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. There's no religious figure in the world history that uh, better exemplifies a uh, the embodiment of ecstasy. Hmm? What is that? They located that on the scriptural map. Hmm? This is what the Goswamis did. They located that. They explained it, and it comes to the Mahabhava Swarupani, the Mahabhava of Radha. Hmm? That Krishna himself is attracted to and so forth. So, so they began kind of an institutionalization in a soft way through writing, through literature, of the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Bhaktivinoda is doing the same thing. And also sought to, through the person of his own uh, son and disciple, foremost of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, Prabhupada, to uh, give a uh, more shape, even more institutionalization to the ecstasy, that it might be more approachable, in the form of monasteries, moths, hmm? and he looked at the Ramakrishna mission, who picked up from the Christians and their missionary activities around the world and so forth, and 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 he modeled. Uh, he opened 64 moths and wanted to go to the West and so forth. This is all the influence of Bhakti Binod Thakur. Hmm? The first, as I say, Western convert, in, in a sense, when he saw the Bhagavata suddenly in the light of Chaitanya Vaishnavism, hmm? having been educated by the Western influences and, and so he even considered Christianity perhaps as the real religion which the British were trying to sell. Um, to the, to the Hindu public. Um, he came out as a Gaudiya Vaishnav and with some evangelical sensibilities and, and a big heart, obviously, of compassion and practical um, sensibilities that he shared and that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsatthaka gave shape to in, in the forming of his mission. As Pujapachita Maharaj used to like to say, the idea came in Bhakti Vinod, was given shape by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsatthaka. And they see Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over the world. Hmm? These are this is a fair analysis of of um, I'd like to say in Pujapatrita Marsh help us to reflect on what that was that he shared all over the world that we might understand it more uh, uh, accurately and so forth. But um, and these are great contributions. But anyway, this is the celebrated. Bhaktivinoda Paribar, we're all members of Paribar is a is a means like a family. It's a way of saying lineage, but it's in a, a more uh, endearing kind of a word. You have the Nityananda Paribar, the Gadadhar Paribar, and we have the Bhaktivinoda Paribar, because 
the Pariwars traditionally begin with associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but not in all instances. Hmm? Therefore, you have the Shamananda Paribar, you have the Narottam Paribar, because Narottam and Shamananda stood out in such an extraordinary way at their, at their time. Hmm? Narottam was a disciple of Lokanath. We don't call it the Lokanath Paribar. Hmm? Narottam was the, was the lone disciple of Lokanath, and he had thousands of disciples and converted all of Assam. Um, and um, what is the other state up there? Manipur. Hmm? And Shamananda, of course, is, is in the lineage of Gorilas Pandit and Sakiras lineage, and by divine intervention of uh, the Gopikas, he was turned into a to a Manjari. And so Shamananda Paribar. So there are examples of uh, in Gaudiya history of kind of tracing the lineage to a prominent figure hmm? in um, that is not an originally associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which is the beginning of what Mahaprabhu says in in what Chaitanya what excuse me, what, what Shijiva Goswami says in his um Sarvasambhadani describing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the founder of his own lineages. Hmm? So there are many lines, if you will. And um and Puribar is another word to use to describe the line, a more kind of affectionate uh, word, um, has a little more intimacy to it. And we are, in Prabhupada's own language, uh, consideration, <coughs> members of the Bhakti Vinod Puribar. When the disciples of Saraswati Thakur, Prabhupada, Bhaktisiddhanta, were asked in the public, Who, what is your Puribar? And they scratched their head and asked Bhakti Siddhanta, he said, you tell them Bhakti Vinod Parivar. Hmm? And Bhakti Vinod did ex- very extraordinary work. Again, he is the beginning of the interface of Gaudiya Vaishnavism with the modern world. And um, we refer to him as a, as a contemporary journalist of the time, did the seventh Goswami, as I'm explaining, it's appropriate and so forth. Um, but Prabhupada used to say, my mission is the mission of Bhakti Vinod. Prabhupada did extraordinary work in distribution, circulation. Hmm. The idea of the interface and the capacity to interface was manifested and shown in the person of, of Bhakti Vinod. And um, so our Paribar has this, this legacy of being a little innovative, if you will, and being in touch with contemporary thought and, and, and uh, speaking about Gaudiya Vaishnavism in light of contemporary thought, thought excuse me, to keep it alive and um, vital, if you will. <clears throat> so uh, we feel ourselves very fortunate on the day of the appearance of Bhaktivinoda Thakur to be humble members of his, uh, his, his, his Paribar. It's a unifying um, notion that um, uh, is uh, worth promoting. Hmm? Gaudi Vaishnavas. Uh, in the Paribar of Bhakti Vinod, at this time are not entirely uh, united by any stretch of the imagination, uh, and that's a very unfortunate and be heartbreaking to the to the Thakur, mm, uh, force of unity that he was. Um, but there's a way to bring that about, mm, and we shouldn't um, misunderstand what is the way. The way is by Siddhanta. Hmm. 
there is room for difference of expression, variety of expression, as long as it within within the unity of the Gaudiya Siddhanta. So this is the Beda Beda equation in one sense, the unity and the diversity. Philosophy is one. The religion, religious expression of it is varied. Um, on a lower level, the religious expression is varied in terms of outreach, ways to outreach, to whom to outreach, um, using your spiritualized intelligence to come up with, to use Prabhupada's beautiful words, novel ways and means to what inject or bring about a revolution in the lives of the worlds. Uh, of pious lives of the world or people of the world, something like that. It says it beautifully in his Bhagavatam commentary. So there's variety there. Hmm? And, and and then there's variety on a higher level of the inner inner life of uh, of, of, of Baba, of, of Sakiras, of Madhuriras, so forth. Um, there is variety in terms of my choice of gurus and uh, and uh, and this variety is all meant to ornament the unity. But the unity has to be there in order to be seen as such. When the unity is lacking, then that which is actually an ornament can be seen, unfortunately, um, as, as, as a blemish, when the blemish really lies in understanding in a living way the uh, Siddhanta. Hmm. Um, this was a very much... The emphasis of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur also. Bhakti Vinod Thakur preached in a particular way. Bhakti Siddhanta was very, very particular about uh, this emphasis. His, his students were all brought up with this at a time where it wasn't common. So Sridhar when I joined the Mop, one thing I noticed, when I started to associate with them, one thing I noticed, they didn't care for anything except what Shastra said about it. What is Shastra? Because there's so many Baba this, this Baba there, this Siddha... Baba there and so forth, but what's the teaching there? And therefore, the the pranam, the bhakti siddhanta. What is it? He says, Rupanuga virudhapa siddhanta danta harine. Rupanuga virud virud. If if it was against the teaching of the Rupa Goswami, Rupanuga virudhapa siddhanta. If it was virudhapa siddhanta, then danta harine. Siddhanta Dantaha, and he was he would become upset. Hmm? Bhaktivinoda Sri Pujapati once said he saw Thakur Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta Sosri Thakur preaching, and he was pounding his fist like this, and his face was turning flush red. And Sri Damar said, Then I thought I knew the meaning of lotus face. Hmm? It was very beautiful. Angry he was, but his heart was very soft. Hmm? He was angry that people would get something less than the gift of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm? and be cheated by some misconception, distortion, and so forth. So, so he made a strong emphasis. And then the printing press and printing the books of Bhaktivinoda hmm? and so on and so forth. Those are some of our uh, heritage, if you will. And um, it's glorious. Very fortunate the uh, members of the Bhaktivinoda Party. Bhakti we see, see very different temperaments in it. Bhaktivinoda was very um, like uh, like a liberal intellectual. Hmm? Um, 
in his approach. Bhaktisiddhanta and Maigramarsh were m- more um, narrow in a way in which they presented the teaching. Um, but what it helped to do very effectively is give people that get a handle hmm, to hold on to and, and, and make spiritual progress where you can actually enter into experiential spiritual life where it again becomes kind of, well, there are different ways to understand the same verse. And hmm, the road, as I say, initially becomes straight, but it's not narrow. It becomes broad. And rules become realizations. Hmm? And, uh, and it becomes a living affair and so forth. But to get people to get a handle on it, sometimes you have to present it in a black and white. It's not this, it's not that. Do it like this and so forth. The problem was very much like that and it was very effective hmm? in this time as it should be according to time and circumstance. I mean, I was young and when I joined Prabhupada's mission, before I joined, I used to go around asking people how to meditate. And the answers I would get were just like so vague, there was nothing for me to grab onto that was really, and probably was just like, you do it like this, and you don't do it like this, and this is right. He was very authoritarian about it, and, and he referred to a greater body of authority, the sacred text, the Eastern Revelation, and so on and so forth. And his person was very was very powerful, and so we, we latched on to um, uh, the handles, if you will, the grips, that he gave us and applied ourselves, and if we do that and don't make offense, we can go inside and have experience, of course, um, and see that, it, that it, and not succumb to un- unfortunate, which can be a circumstance that arises or or negative result from any approach. There's going to be some positive and some 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 negative, some downside. The downside is people become attached to the particular details. Hmm? They were given at a time and circumstance to give a handle and consider them the principles. And then you have this niyamagraha where the rules are practiced, but you don't understand the meaning, the purpose behind them, and so forth. Hmm? That becomes a cause of uh, um, of um, well, becomes problematic in for 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 for, for bhakti for the ongoing culture. Um, so. Uh, you know, and then you know to go full spectrum, you have the person of Shri Marsh who was kind of very, like, liberal intellectual type of a person, like Bhakti Vinod, more introverted than Bhakti Vinod by far, obviously. Um, but um, you know, reading of Western philosophy and, and it was very charming to hear him cite Hegel, Hegel and Berkeley and this one and that one and, and, and give us a, a reference point with with Western philosophical sensibilities to better understand points of Gaudiya Vaishnava. You could see he had a very integrated approach. So that, so we find different dispositions. Krishna moving great devotees in different ways, and Bhava takes over the mind, and it causes the devotee to function in a particular way. With regard to outreach, it causes the devotee to preach in a particular way, and that way will be very effective in its time. And this is, of course, the hallmark of preaching, and it has to be done outreach, going to time, place, consideration of who the audience is, all that. These are all relative factors. So there's a huge amount of relativity with regard to the sharing. This is, again, 
a type of difference. Right, it's one philosophy. But we, if we go to a planet of homosexuals, you know, we'll probably present it a little differently than if you were going to present it to um, fundamentalist, uh, homophobic <laughs> Christians <laughs> to try to get them on, on, on board. Um, um, same teaching, but you have to be creative, and that's very creates a very good opportunity to absorb the mind hmm? to, 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 to be able to do that dynamic form of, of kirtan hmm? which can give rise to inner experience and then really the ability to present it thoughtfully and in a vital way but there's difference for presentation there's variety hmm? and this is beautiful this is uh, very very charming desirable hmm? And you know, if you're if you're you've got a father and your grandfather and your son, you want cousins and nephews, and we have one here, cousin nephew, <laughs> welcome. So uh, uh, again, the bhakti vinod paribar. It's a day to, to speak about these things. We're all members of the family of of bhakti vinod. She takur kiranath bhakti vinod. Ravi Baba Jai. Go Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai. Go Premanande. Any question? What's the time? 7.43. How long will you be here for? Oh, you're hardly here. Yeah. Thank you for making an effort to come such a distance. I have a question. It's not quite totally formed, but I'll give it a shot. So, since I came in in the middle, it seemed like you were talking, um, there was some kind of discussion that, you know, internalization of Krishna consciousness, you know, is a, maybe perhaps a prerequisite for sharing Krishna consciousness or, you know, to, you know, mm-hmm. work more on the end, you know. You know the the ISKCON side, or the, you know, it's all focused on the outreach. You know, but it seems like you were kind of suggesting that we need to also look at the internal components too to actually be able. To well, I'll give you an example of that. A simple example. I'm, I was famous, you know, for being involved in the distribution of Prabhupada's books, and um, so. Uh, uh, when I started to become very prominent in that, my god brother Ramaswar uh, wrote to Prabhupada, this boy, Triprari, selling so many books. And Prabhupada wrote back, was very wonderful, he was selling so many books, and uh, so on and so forth. And then his own handwriting said, but he, he put a note, but be sure that he always reads them. You know. hmm. So that's a simple way of saying what I'm saying, and I took it to heart, of course. But Chaitanya Charjamrita makes the point. Without the ingress of Krishna Shakti, one cannot effectively change the heart of others. I mean, it's a standard point, if you will. Prikshit Maharaj praises Raj or, or the uh, Sukhamuni, Sukadev, at the onset of the tenth canto. And he says, You are qualified to speak about this. You can change the hearts of others because you have, you have no taste. No, no thirst for material life. You've drunk deep the aushadi, the medicine of Krishna Lila. Hmm. Manobhiramat. So your mind is 
Your mana was abhiram. It's full of ram, joy, full of bliss, and 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 karunayava, karunayava, karunayava. Is it karunayava? You know, per. Anyway, it's the the Sukadev is glorified. Sutta Goswami is is. Sutta Goswami also in the text earlier, much earlier on, of course, the first canon glorifies Sugadev in this way. Karunayaha Purana Guhyam. Out of out of compassion, the secret, the guhyam of this Purana you've revealed. In other words, you have some inner life and it's your outreach is arising out of that. It's not out of some need to have more followers or to get another bhakti in the temple because we've got to pay the bills or something like that. Those are practical things, but um, but effective preaching, the more you, the person that we're hearing from has a realization of what they're talking about, the more there's the capacity to change the heart. If the teacher can speak the language of love and translate it into the language of reason and logic and present it, that presentation will capture our intelligence and seep down into our heart to effect a change. That said, and it's obvious, obviously, without getting any bhakti, how can you give any bhakti? Hmm? At the same time, having gotten bhakti, and according to your measure, trying to share bhakti, that will promote, and that's the emphasis of that group, you'll promote, you share it, and more will come. And so the two sides are true. Hmm? But um, we should see that it's coming. <laughs> Um, by the by, the sharing, hmm. and then the the, the the net nature of the sharing will will improve, become deeper, um, and so forth. Hmm. Um, you know that's why it's good. For example, if you have, you know, like you take Prabhupada in his mission, Prabhupada mostly really only spoke to the devotees. Sometimes we'd have some doctor come or some, you know, we'd set up somebody and give a little talk to them or have a conversation or something. But for the most part, he was actually preaching. He made devotees and then he was preaching to them. Hmm? So, if our outreach is causing, fostering inner life, then as we advance, and let's say, one becomes a sannyasi, well, there's plenty, plenty of engagement for sannyasis to preach to devotees without having to ever teach anybody about reincarnation or vegetarianism. Hmm? Um, but to nourish devotees on a higher level who can only preach about reincarnation and vegetarianism, for, for example, hmm? or anti-Mayavad or something like that. Hmm? So there's a point where we should see that the outreach is, is, is resulting in the inner life and it should translate into outreach on another level. Hmm? We always need new levels of outreach. I used to think when I was younger that if Krishna consciousness would would take over America hmm, become the prominent religion, there'd be so much preaching to be done. It'd be like India, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you know, you know, if you get the basic ideas, there's an atma. You know, the consciousness is not the brain, and and so forth. It can be experienced by by yoga and 
reincarnation is a fact and so forth. Uh, there is a subtle realm of matter and in all these things. Still, there's just uh, so much preaching to be done, even if it's all... Now I see there's so many devotees, my God, there's so much preaching to be done to the devotees to help them understand on a deeper level the teaching. And there's resistance to it also, sometimes. Yeah. Hmm? Tons. It's in the world I live in. Pardon me? Tons of resistance in the world I live in. Yeah, that's, right. a, that's a pity. I mean, that's a, that's a shame. Um, but uh, that's required. And, you know, Prabhupada himself used the analogy of boiling the milk. He said it in 1975. I think we have enough devotees. Now we should boil the milk. Which is which was his analogy? Like you boil it, it becomes thicker. Instead of just letting it overflow, you boil it, and it goes down and down, it becomes thicker. The devotees become more strong, more um, uh, vital, more deep in their realization and their, uh, their theoretical understanding of the teaching, their acquaintance with the with the whole lineage. Prabhupada's not an isolated figure that just popped out of you know nowhere. He has, a, he has a past, he has a lineage, he has a heritage, um, and, uh, and his opening comments on his, of his Bhaktivedanta purports in the first canto, and he, he makes the point that it's the, the commentaries of the other acharyas of the Bhagavatam should be studied, and so on and so forth. So, you know, he wanted that kind of literary legacy to, to extend and, and be alive with new books, and new authors, and new translations, and the preeminent Vaishnava press in the world that any Vaishnava would feel, if I could get my book published there, you know, that would be, you know, prestigious. This is worth this kind of idea. So it's important that we, you know, we do that. I mean, he 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 told Dr. Kapoor that who was once concerned that the way the Prabhupada was preaching, that his disciples were a little insular. Prabhupada said, well, I'm trying it. It's like if you, if you plant a tree and you put a fence around it to protect it from deer. Hmm? But if it's healthy and it grows, it'll overflow the fence on its own accord in due course. Hmm? And it's deeply rooted. So, if we can get rooted in what Gaudiya Vaishnavism is and have experience, then the fact that the people present it a little bit differently, sing different songs at different times, and have a different guru from ours, or you know, it's, it's not a problem. It's like, it's like, you just found out you have lost family members that you you weren't aware of. You, know? you get online, you can trace out your your family tree. Mm-hmm. So we have a family. This is our life. We have a stemming from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So many great persons, books so forth, insights. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sri Sri Gornatananda Kija. Kod Premanandi. Oh.